The Celtics' summer moves appear to be complete, and it's championship or bust. But is the roster better or worse than last year? And which players need a ring if they want to stay in green? The season can't start soon enough, as the endless Twitter debates just keep on coming. But we'll take the bait and enter the Luka versus Tatum debate. And the Lakers add a shiny new big. Is there anyone left for the Celtics? We will discuss this and more coming up next in Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, everybody. I'm Captain Ron Flanders, joined by my partner in crime, Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, we came to you from Tokyo last week. Today, I am in paradise. I am in the home of the United States Pacific Fleet, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. That's awesome, man. You've been traveling all across the world now. I know. I got to get back to Bellevue next week. I, I wish I was in Boston like you every week, but uh, duty calls. And actually, I met a couple Celtic fans in Tokyo. One of them is Lucky's Heroes for the week. So uh, we will get to that a little bit later on. But right now, uh, you know, right after we went off air last week in Tokyo, I got a Woj bomb that the Celtics had signed Ukrainian swingman, shooting star Svi Mikhailik. So the Celtics, it appears, Guillermo, as Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe uh, pointed out earlier this week, that they may be done with their roster. We may be going into the season with 14 players. We'll talk about that later. But obviously, right now, the way this roster is constructed, it is championship or bust, is it not? It sure is. I mean, it's been a few years of knocking on the door. And now with the major changes that have happened for this season, uh, it's definitely championship or bust. The, the, the camaraderie has changed. Some big pieces were moved. Some that we didn't like, like Marcus Smart. But we're here now. and. Let's see what these guys can put together this training camp, and hopefully it all comes together and we hang Banner 18 this year. Before we look at it at the macro level, let's go to the micro level. Just talk real quickly about the Svi Mikhailik move. We talked about him a few weeks ago when it was first reported that he was looking at a team in Greece or the Celtics. I think he made the right choice. I don't think there's a role for him to start out the season in the rotation, But this is a guy, in case of emergency, break glass. I think he is a better fit than, you know, the the four guys the Celtics were looking at, Ty Warren and Lamar Stevens and others. Michaelic's the best shooter of all of them, and you can't have too much shooting, Guillermo. No, shooting is key, especially with Missoula Ball and the offense that he likes to run. And I think he's definitely going to make a name for himself. I think in training camp and maybe preseason – we're going to hear, you know, a, a lot of Svi and we're going to see him shine. And I think he's definitely going to put himself in a position to earn minutes this season. I do think this sort of continues for the Celtics, the pattern of going after players whose career shooting splits are like 30% higher against the Celtics. I mean, I remember, you know, when they got Kemba Walker and they got, uh, you know, pretty much all of the signee Porzingis is another one. Players that have dominated the Celtics at one point or another. Michaelic had a monster game against the Celtics last year. He shot very well against us. I think, though, a better plan would be to get players that play better against the other 29 teams because he won't be playing against the Celtics. Yeah, this is true. I mean, 
we've seen Ish Smith and we've seen Shake Milton also destroy the Celtics at times when they got in the game. Um, but some of those players that we want sometimes aren't available or are on different teams. So I'm okay with taking players who play well against us and then hopefully scheming them up to play well against the rest of the 29 teams. Well, maybe if they play well and shoot well in the garden, you know, some players just shoot well in certain buildings. We're going to talk about buildings later on in Lucky's list, but if he likes the garden, then he can put some pressure on Sam Hauser and some of the other swingmen. He, he won't defend like Hauser, but off the bounce, he's a guy who, who surprisingly can make some plays going to the basket. And he is a career, I want to say 35, 36% three-point shooter. That's not great. But last year he shot over 40% and he makes the Celtics a better team. Speaking of the team, this roster now adds another veteran. Not a lot of youth on this roster, Guillermo. I have to say, if they don't get back to the finals, somebody's going to pay for this. Yeah, unfortunately, somebody will have to pay for it. Uh, I think there's a good amount of vet vets on the team. You know, Tatum and Brown have been, this is, you know, around the horn. This isn't their first go around. And we do have some young bucks coming up, you know, with Walsh and Davidson still playing for Maine. Uh, so not not too young, not too old. I think it's a proper mix. And uh, it should all flow together, hopefully. I think Celtic Nation is split on this next question, but which team is better? The team with Marcus Smart and Grant Williams or the team with Kristaps Porzingis? If you look at some of the bench players, I mean, I think you're just making moves around the margins. But as far as the regular rotation players, there's an argument to be made that we were better last year. Uh, I'm not making that argument, but what do you think? Yeah, I think we were too small last year, and I think Brad touched it on his interview that we talked about. We were too small, and we needed that depth at the 4-5 or five position when Rob and uh, Al would sit down. So I like bringing Porzingis. I think he's going to destroy the 2-3 zone. He's good at moving the ball. He's a great shooter at the three. We need his size. He's also a solid defensive big as well. I think that's something that Grant didn't bring, unfortunately. And we had to play small to cater to Brogdon White and Smart at times as well. You said it last week. And there's two things in sports you cannot coach, size being one of them. And we learned that painfully when Lithuania dominated Team USA on the boards it wasn't necessarily a question of talent. It was that Lithuania was just too big. And that when they wanted the ball, they just went and got it. And I think there's a little bit of that for the Celtics where they could be a better rebounding team with Porzingis. They could be tougher in the paint with Porzingis. But also the matchup advantages that they have with Jalen Brown being guarded by shooting guards and Jason Tatum being guarded by wings that does give them, I think that is the secret sauce. If this team is going to be better, and of course the jury's still out, but if they are, it's because of those matchups where we will be able to impose our will physically against smaller twos and threes with the Jays at those positions. Yeah, I mean, imagine a lineup of Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, 
Horford and Rob Williams. Like, that could happen at times, maybe for a small stint, but the amount of size that is in that five, I mean, it's going to be awesome to see that on the court and who's really going to penetrate on that team or out-rebound those five when they're on the court together. So I guess to answer the question, you're saying we're going to be better next year. Yes. To answer the question, I think this is a better team for the championship run. We have the size we need. We have athleticism off the bench. Uh, I still see Walsh playing a role at the end of the season because of the athleticism he brings and also the size and the defensive tenacity. So I just think, yes, we had better depth as far as Grant coming off the bench and somebody who's played with the system, but overall with the size and athleticism we have going this year, I think it's a better team this year. There are a lot of caveats, and first and foremost among them is got to stay healthy. But if they're healthy, I agree. I'm also going to say that we're better and uh, you know, can't wait for the season to start. A lot of debates going on, a lot of, a lot of articles being written. I mean, this, these are the times in the NBA offseason where you're just like, come on already, let's play. But one of the things uh, that I saw, I think it was Hardwood Houdini or Celtics blog, somebody had an article about which players might not be back next year, whether the Celtics win or lose, but certainly if they lose. This is a team that is not going to hit reset and blow it up, I don't think. I, I certainly hope not that it's like, all right, well, let's go try to get Bronny or let's blow it up. I mean, we might make trades if this season doesn't work out. And we have a lot of pieces, as we saw with Brad adding those draft picks. But Guillermo, if it doesn't work out, what players might be moved on to try to revamp this team even further? We had a painful pill to swallow getting rid of Marcus Smart. But who is next in line if this chemistry experiment does not work? Yeah, so four names came up on that article, um, and it's some of the names we've talked about. You know, Peyton Pritchard's on the last year of his deal, so he's wanted to be traded. Let's see what kind of impact he has this season with Smart leaving and kind of filling maybe that third guard role. Uh, let's also see what Brogdon can bring, another hopefully six-men-of-the-year type of year. But he was almost traded for Porzingis until the Clippers clipped us. And then Porzingis, he got that extension so for two more years. So does he fit this team and what we're expecting upcoming? And do they all mesh together well? Or do you use that contract and somebody who's averaged you know 20-plus points and flip that with some trade assets uh, coming up this year? Or also, Rob Williams is on a tremendous contract. I love having him here, but that's maybe a carrot you can dangle for a bigger piece going down the line as well. Well, I love all four of these players, and obviously we, we don't want to see anybody go, but if it proves that we've come up short again and we just weren't good enough, I mean, the reason why Brad made these deals was because we couldn't score. And so Porzingis was added to the offense to give us something that is zone-proof or something that is spo-proof, whatever you want to call it. If this doesn't work out, the Celtics may have to explore trades. And I think a guy that wasn't on that list, 
the two players that were just extended are not allowed to be traded this coming season. Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis cannot be traded, but they have big contracts that could be dangled to bring in a big piece, whether that's a Damian Lillard type player. It's not going to be Lillard himself, but maybe it's a Joel Embiid. Maybe it's a Carl Towns or, or somebody like that. Or a guy like Rob Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, those guys could be moved together for another piece as well with draft picks, whatever the case may be. I think all four of those names are logical people, but Jalen Brown would have to be included in that mix. I don't want to see anybody go, and I do think we have the horses to get it done, but we need luck and we need health, Guillermo. Yeah, those are going to be the two key things uh, going into the season. I think health is the biggest part, right? That's That goes for any team in any sport. It's the vital piece to camaraderie and continuity to make sure that your roster gels well and can overcome obstacles to get to where they want to go. And so that is the key. I think luck is very huge here in Lucky's Lounge. That's something we believe in. And we want to make sure that this team is gelling the right way so that they can achieve those goals. And we don't want to see those players go, but I know Brad is already probably thinking about what moves to make if the season doesn't start out right or if pieces go down. I'm happy that he got the assets he got this offseason, and he's always willing to pull the trigger on a trade that is necessary, just like the Marcus Smart trade we had to do to change the mix and hopefully get over the hump. Yeah, he's definitely got a lot of guts. There's no question about that. A lot of our show this week and, and every week, we have a little bit of inputs from Celtic Nation on Twitter X. And this week, you know, a lot of people, I, I think therapists in Boston, Guillermo, and in New England are getting a lot of extra business from people like me who just <laughs> are having a really hard time with the Marcus Smart trade. So I see people saying, uh, don't worry, Marcus Smart's going to be back in the Celtic uniform. He's going to win a ring as a Celtic. I mean, come on, people. I mean, Memphis is not going to let him get away. But but it does bring an interesting question because we often hear people saying, well, let's get Isaiah Thomas back. Let's get Terry Rozier back. Let's get Marcus Smart back. Is there a Celtic that you could see coming back this year? We still have a roster spot open or – uh, maybe next year, Guillermo, I don't know if you heard, but in segment three last week, I floated the idea of Rondo because you and I had talked about his podcast appearance. He could almost be like a player assistant coach for Joe Missoula. But who's coming back, Guillermo? Who would you like to see come back? So some names were floated out there. Um, names like Neesmith, Tice, Olenek, and the two players that left this offseason, Grant Williams and your boy Marcus Smart. Uh, out of those l names, you know, I know you mentioned Rondo and Rozier, and we talked about Isaiah as well. But out of all those names, the Celtic that I would most want back, surprisingly, is Neesmith. I think he's developed well in Indiana. He's the shooter that, you know, Danny Ainge saw in college. And I think he's a wing that gives uh, the Jays a, a great offset when they go to the bench or supports them 
running on the court. So I would, out of all those names, I would like to see Neesmith come back. And who doesn't want Daniel Tice back for a third round uh, and f- have fun with the refs with the fouls? So I would like both of those names back eventually. Yeah, the Celt- Yeah, the Celtics clearly uh, probably could use a big. And as Adam Himmelsbach reported, Blake Griffin probably not coming through that door. I think Daniel Tice would be a great addition to this team. And I agree that Neesmith looks closer to the version of the NBA Neesmith we thought we were going to see. So the development there up in Indiana was good. I'll throw another name out there. He's not available now, probably. Well, he is available now, but we're not going to trade for him. But will be a free agent next year. Yeah. How about Gordon Hayward coming back ah. next year? Yeah, that's someone I haven't really thought about, but that'd be really awesome. I mean, he never was the same after that first game, unfortunately, versus the Cavs and didn't live up to what we were expecting when – he and Kyrie were here, but that would be terrific to round out his career and really put us over the hump if we can't do it this year. And, you know, it wouldn't be the role that he had when he first got here. And I think it'd be a better fit for him to come off the bench and support the guys in that in that role going forward. Yeah. And I think that Al and Jason and some of the guys would like to have him back. I think it would be a good fit. Speaking of Jason Tatum, one of the debates that's raging around on Twitter, and I don't like to engage in them, but we got to take the bait now. Luka Doncic versus Jason Tatum. Perk says uh, Anthony Edwards is going to be the face of the league, but it could be Luka or JT, and we will weigh in next who we think is the better player now and who will be the better player in the future. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. And before we get started on segment number two, just want to thank Guillermo and I both want to thank you, the fans, for continuing to listen. We've got listeners in the Philippines now, I guess, looking for their FIBA World Cup updates. But for all of you who are listening, thank you for listening. Continue to spread the word to all of your friends in Celtic Nation. And if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can email us at luckysloungepod at gmail.com or DM us on X. We are at Lucky's Lounge Pod. Guillermo, the place continues to grow, and we're really happy to have all the fans coming along. Yeah, truly appreciate you guys and love you guys for tuning in and giving us that rating, giving us that feedback. Make sure you share, tell everybody about it, and help us continue to grow going forward. Yeah, and we are not only broadcasting to you, but we are listening to you. We're following you on X as well. And actually, you are the inspiration for this next segment. Although I do want to say, at Porzingis Season, we're following you on Twitter. And it's, I mean, you got to stop with the jinxes. Like, how you know, Tatum's going to win 10 titles and all this stuff. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're killing us. You're, you're killing me, Smalls. Just enjoy this season. Let's try to get one first. But one of the debates that we're going to respond to that a lot of Celtic Nation is talking about on Twitter is the debate about who is going to be the next great player. And one of the questions posed this week, Guillermo, is it JT or is it Luca? Wow. A cavalcade of responses on this one. What say you? All right. So this is 
it's hard. Like people may think, you know, we're just green teamers and homers and are just going to go for JT, but this is an actual hard debate, but I am going to pick Tatum over Luca. Um, they have, he has, I know it's funny, but he has accomplished more, uh, than Luca has, um, He's played a season more than Luca. Luca has to do more because of the team and the role he plays for that team, right? He mainly plays point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. He's he last year he averaged 32.4 points, 8.6 boards, 8 assists, while Tatum averaged 30.1 points, 8.8 rebounds and 4.6 assists for the Celtics. He's just accomplished more in the playoffs, right? So in the playoffs, Tatum has played 94 games in the playoffs, and Luka has only played 28. And when he sat out towards the end of last season, that really showed me that he wasn't committed to winning and doing whatever it took to put his team in positions to push their boundaries. Okay, maybe they weren't the favorites to make it far in the playoffs, but he could still do his best to put the team on his back. He has another great player beside him when Kyrie Irving, and they could have pushed the boundaries to see what what noise they could have made in the playoffs. So him sitting out last year really showed me a lot and kind of looked like a quitter to me at the end of the season. Yeah, this is a tough one too. And, and you know, we have been accused by some of our listeners down in South Florida of being homers. Listen, I'm – I'm like Tommy Heinsohn on steroids at a lot of times, but I will give honest assessments of players. And I have said that I would rather have some guys than Jalen Brown. You know, it, I, maybe there's a few guys I'd rather have. I'd rather have Jokic than Tatum. I'd rather have, maybe I'd rather have Embiid at times, but no, actually I wouldn't rather have Embiid, but I would rather have Jokic. That's the only player right now that I'm taking on and I'm betting on over Jason Tatum. Same. A couple of th- couple of things here. Number one, what can Luca do better than Jason Tatum? Maybe shoot the three, but pass. you're talking about a three and pass. But the one, so Tatum's getting better as a passer. There's things that I think Tatum will get better at, where he will maybe get close to Tatum, to Luca in those levels. I think he could become a much better passer. He's going to have to be this year if we're going to have any chance. I think he could be a much better three point shooter as Porzingis helps with his take some of the offensive load off of him and get his shot selection better. But the one thing that I don't think we'll ever see Luca approach Tatum on is as a defensive player. I don't think he's going to get to Tatum's level where he is now or where he may eventually become. I mean, remember, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen became much better defenders as Celtics that they were as they were in their younger years. So I think Tatum from a skill set is better. And as you pointed out, he has made it to four Eastern Conference finals in the last six years. Now, there was a discussion on Twitter, and I want to I want to highlight, and we'll call this our tweet of the week. It's from Adam Taylor at Adam Taylor NBA. He covers the Celtics for Celtics blog, heavy on sports. He has his own podcast at Green Envy. So Adam, you know, I'm showing you some love here. Uh, But his tweet was basically in response to people who say, look, this team has had six years with an amazing supporting cast and they failed. So you need to break them up or whatever the case may be. 
So Taylor, you know, he, he breaks out the receipts and says, all right, you want to go through those six years? And he did a very good job of essentially saying, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have nothing to be ashamed of. So let's go through his tweet. He points out that in 2017-2018, Gordon Hayward snapped his ankle in half on opening night and Kyrie missed the playoffs due to surgery. The Celtics still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and that had a lot to do with Jason Tatum. And in Game 7, Tatum's throwdown in LeBron's face and a a three-point shot also on LeBron almost got us across the finish line. 2019, second-round exit. Kyrie comes back. He's a cancer. He basically quits on them in the series against Milwaukee. It was a gentleman's sweep. That was not you know, a a team that was necessarily ready to win a championship. Okay. 2020, the bubble year, Gordon Hayward gets hurt. He's not available in the first few games and Kemba's knee gets shot. It's he's downhill from the all-star break on again. I'm, you know, not to make excuses, but to go to the Eastern conference finals with the team that they had, I think Jason Tatum deserves a tremendous amount of credit 2021, Jalen Brown doesn't play in the playoffs due to a wrist injury. The Celtics are, are playing guys like Tristan Thompson, Evan Fournier, Neesmith, getting Jabari Parker. Again, uh, you know, so comparable to some of the supporting cast that Luca had in Dallas, they go out in the first round. 2022, they make the finals with a new coach, a rookie head coach. 2023, They go to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals with another rookie head coach. Tatum gets hurt in Game 7, and they probably would have lost anyway, in my opinion. But I don't think Luka Doncic can say that he has had the career that Jason Tatum has, and Jason Tatum has not yet hit his prime. And Jason Tatum only had one year in college. Luka Doncic got to play professionally and get all of that seasoning over there in a much more fundamental environment. So I'm going with Jason Tatum going forward, Guillermo. Yeah, and that last point was very key. Like, he's been playing basically professionally since he was 16. So that's huge, you know. And he, Luca, unfortunately hasn't had, you know, the GMs that Tatum has had to be able to piece things together to, you know, push the team to levels that, you know, you're trying to reach a championship, right? So we've gotten Irving, we've gotten Hayward, we've gotten Kemba Walker, we brought Horford back, we got Porzingis now. So like Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens have done everything they could, you know, Evan Fournier, like you mentioned. So they've done everything they could to help this team get over the hump, push their push themselves to you know, get a, get a championship. Has it all come together? No, but to be able to reach the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years, make it to the finals and lose to Steph Curry and the Warriors, you know, in 2022, those are big deals. I know it's not what we want, but those are huge things that Luka hasn't been able to even sniff. And I know they haven't put the pieces around him, but the players can only play, right? The GMs are the ones putting the teams together. Unfortunately, Luca just hasn't been set up in those positions. 
Now he has, you know, Kyrie Irving, who has some stench on him from the Nets and saying he was going to come back and leaving us. So, and th- those two together didn't even make the playoffs last year. So let's see what comes this year. I still don't think they've given them enough pieces to push the boundaries, especially in that elite Western Conference. There's a lot of good teams out there. So for them to really push the boundaries and make the playoffs and even sniff the e- the Western Conference Finals is going to be huge. So if he's able to do that this year, maybe he can start, you know, causing a stir in this debate. But for this debate, it's Tatum all the way. He has all the endorsements. He's just running away as the face of the league. He would have carried the U.S. further than Luka carries Slovenia. So sorry, but I'm going Tatum on this one. And I don't think I don't even think it's up for debate. Yeah, this just in, if you're not paying attention or if your cable company like Spectrum out here in Hawaii has dropped ESPN because of this negotiating dispute, Luca went out today in the FIBA World Cup. He was ejected. He got he fell for the Dylan Brooks trap against Team Canada. Team Canada moves on. Luca goes out. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the FIBA tournament when we come back. But no lies detected, Guillermo, when it comes to what you said about Luca. I mean, the bottom line is this. People think Kobe Bryant was better than Tracy McGrady and Paul Pierce because he has more rings. Luca has zero rings. Tatum has zero rings. You go to the next level, conference finals, Tatum has that four to one. The supporting casts were better in Boston. Nothing, you can't dispute that. But as Adam Taylor, and shout out to Adam Taylor, kudos for putting that thread together. Because when you do look at it, you go back and look, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows in Boston from a health perspective. And you had the cancer known as Kyrie there, which now Luca is going to learn about. He learned about last year when he was looking at a play-in or a playoff position, Kyrie got there and they started losing and they didn't, they missed the playoffs entirely. So I think the next couple of years will play it out as both of these players enter their prime years, but Tatum's six foot 10 ish. And he's physically a monster. Luca's starting to develop a little bit of a spare tire. He'll never be the defender that Tatum can be. And so I think he wins that debate, Guillermo. Yeah, and you just touched on a huge key thing as well right there. Again, like the shape, right? Like we see Tatum working out on the offseason constantly. And he was just working out with Jalen Brown. He was working out with Embiid. He was working out with, you know, the legend Paul Pierce. And yes, Luca's playing basketball, but he's never looked the shape as a basketball player. He's always been you know, kind of doughy like myself, unfortunately, but he's, he's never really shown that quality basketball player type that he's going to shine through and persevere, right? He's an elite point guard. Um, and speaking on the GM thing again, like, okay, let's say the Kyrie situation doesn't work out. So now they have to move Kyrie with this big deal that he just got. What's what team is going to want to bring that deal and bring Kyrie on to their team? So they sh- traded all their ponies for this horse. 
Now what can they even get for him if they don't accomplish or reach the goals that they want to reach this year? Yeah, we've got, uh, Guillermo, we've got Daryl Morey on line one that might might be willing to take Kyrie for uh, James Harden. Yeah, but beyond that, they would have to give up an Albatross contract in addition to Kyrie, or they would have to take on an Albatross contract, rather, to get rid of Kyrie, a worse contract than that, or throw in draft picks. So, yeah, I do feel bad for Luka. Listen, I root for the Mavericks. I like Luka. I, you know, I don't want Kyrie to win, but I certainly think that Luka is great for the NBA. He's a star player. Look, if it came down to my life, depending on somebody hitting a shot in the last five seconds of a game, Luka would be one of the first people I would consider for that. He, he is uncanny in his ability to do that. But overall, I'll go with Tatum. And, you know, you mentioned the workouts with Pierce and all the stuff that he's doing. I think Tatum remembers that finals from two years ago where essentially he ran out of gas. And so I think he's actually building his body up. He wants to be more like a LeBron James type, maybe not taking the same vitamins as LeBron, but just making sure that his legs and his body can sustain the 82 games plus potential of another 20 to 25 more games in the postseason. And so uh, that's one thing that Tatum can do that a lot of players aren't willing to pay that price because you're giving up a lot of your summer. I, I think Jason Tatum is legitimately spending six to eight hours a day working on his game. I mean, that's that's what it looks like to me. Two-a-days, maybe three-a-days when you include shooting. I cannot wait to see him on October 25th against, against the Knicks, and I think I speak for all Celtic fans when I say that because I think we're going to see something new every year we do. Yeah, every year we see something new from him and Brown. and. Just a final cherry on top. I mean, Tatum has a better sneaker than Luka Doncic. So just something else that he's winning over Luka Doncic. Um, again, I just like you said, I respect Luka Doncic. I think he's one of the top players in the league. I like to see him play. He's always, you know, pulling a rabbit out of the hat. But it's, it's going to be Tatum for me in, in this debate. Yeah, absolutely. Better sneaker. I, I know you wear them. I'm still trying to get a free agent deal with the Sousa scores, but I, I heard that they have a pink lemonade version of the JT ones, and I want to get those for my daughter, who is the point guard of the Sarpy County Celtics over in Nebraska. So if I can get her in her size, and they do have them in kids' sizes, I think she will be very happy because she loves Jason Tatum. And that's another thing. The kids love JT. I mean, he's he's a great player for, for kids. He's always giving away his shoes and his jerseys to them. And I just think they're both great for the NBA. It's a photo finish, but Lucky's Lounge, the verdict goes to Jason Tatum in that debate. Well, when we come back, quick update on the FIBA World Cup, and we'll say which NBA arenas are the best, which is your favorite besides the Garden. We'll have those discussions. Guillermo and I will be right back. And we're, we're right here in Lucky's Lounge for you. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. And as we often do in segment number three, we're going to start with Lucky's Hero. And Lucky's Hero today is an Air Force officer that I met in Tokyo last week. And it is none other than Lieutenant Colonel Cullen Brewster, United States Air Force. He is a developmental engineer 
for the Air Force. And I think those folks deal with weapon systems and things like that. But he's currently on staff at U.S. Forces Japan, and he is responsible for dealing with Japanese dignitaries and making sure that the relations between Japan and the United States are 100% strong. And that is our most important ally, Guillermo, probably in the world. Our strongest ally, of course, is the United Kingdom, but Japan is very important for us. And right now with everything that's going on with the threats posed by potentially by China and North Korea, Japan is a critical ally. And Lieutenant Colonel Brewster is a big Celtic fan. He saw me uh, talking on my iPhone. I have a Celtic case. And he's like, oh, are you a Celtic fan? And we started talking about the Celtics. He was stationed at Hanscom here in, in Massachusetts. And now, even though he's from somewhere else, I think he's from uh, Wisconsin, he is not a Bucks fan. He is a diehard Celtics fan. That's awesome. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Brewster. Appreciate all that you do. Let's keep our friends happy abroad. Keep us safe. And uh, welcome to Lucky's Lounge. We appreciate you. And uh, let's go Celtics. Yeah, and uh, I do want to throw out his call sign, just obligatory, because the Air Force, a lot of the officers have call signs. His call sign is Miso. Um, he does live in Japan. I, I don't know if that's because he likes Miso soup or if it's for some other reason, but uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Cullen Miso Brewster, you are Lucky's hero for the week. Let's get to Lucky's list, Guillermo. And item number one, our update on the FIBA World Cup. I didn't really understand that after teams lost, that they still had to win games after the group stage because Olympic qualification was on the line. Apparently, United States has qualified for the 2024 Olympics next year in Paris. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out who's going to play on that team later, whether they're Celtics or not. I, I want to focus on, as you said last week, the Larry O'Brien trophy. But um, what's going on in the tournament? We, we just mentioned that Canada moved on. We know that France is out. Team USA, are we still in it? Yes, Team USA is still in it. Uh, they beat uh, Italy 163 to move on to the Final Four. There are four teams left uh, that all play Friday. So Team USA will take on Germany, uh, who beat uh, Latvia by two points. Um, and Ooh. they have some... Yeah, great game. They have some former Celtics. They got Schroeder. They got Daniel Tice on that team. Uh, really great game. Latvia fought hard, but um, the Germans pulled it out. And then, so then Canada will be taking on Serbia. Serbia playing well without, you know, their main guy, Mr. Joker. They have Brent, uh, Bogdanovich who is really carrying them to this final four. And so after they, the teams play on Friday, it'll go down, down to two and we'll have a final and a third place game on Sunday. Which Bogdanovich? Is it the Pistons guy or the Hawks guy? Hawks. Bogdan Bogdan. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, they're both good. Uh, this is very interesting. Wow, what a run by Latvia. you got to tip your caps to them without their best player, Porzingis. Uh, glad Porzingis should be hopefully heading back to the States now to start showing up at uh, the Celtics facilities. But what a run by them. 
And I could see potentially, Guillermo, a USA-Canada showdown. That's what the odds makers thought. But uh, don't sleep on Germany. They've had some dominant performances in this tournament. Yeah, Germany has played really well. Uh, I I think they can definitely give a, a run for their, uh, you know, to the U.S. and could be an upset on the horizon, just like uh, Lithuania beating USA. I don't think they have the same size that Lithuania brought to the table, uh, but I do see Canada versus USA in the final. They don't have Jonas Valanciunas, that is for sure. But one of the advantages these teams have is the continuity. They've been playing together for so long. I mean, Latvia, yeah, sure, they didn't have Porzingis, but those national players, they know each other. And, you know, the Team USA players, not so much. They're great players. They know each other personally, but they haven't played together like a Team Germany has. So they have a puncher's chance, Germany. The United States is going to have to bring their A game if they want to advance to the final. Item number two, and I don't know if you got this off Twitter X or what, but top NBA arenas. Guillermo, set the table for us. Are we talking about which is the best, which do we like best? Uh, What's the discussion here? All right, so there was a report on Bleacher Report listing the top NBA arenas, um, and the list goes as such. Uh, Madison Square Garden at number one, where the Knicks play. Then they had the Golden One Center, uh, where the Kings play, at number two. Then Staples, a.k.a. Crypto.com Arena at three. Then United Center at four, Wells Fargo Center at five, Chase Center at six, Scotia Arena at seven, our beautiful TD Garden at eight, then Paycom Center at nine, and Barclay Center at 10. What do you think? I mean, I, well, first of all, you know, let me show my age here and say I remember when these things were called you know, War Memorial Coliseum or Boston Garden or Los Angeles Sports Arena or whatever. I mean, I don't know who who the hell plays in the Paycom Center, you know, or the (laughs) – I mean, I think the Scotia – when it was Air Canada Center, I knew, okay, that's the Raptors, right? But, I mean, naming these things after – I don't get paid every time I say Wells Fargo Center. (laughs) Wells Fargo does not make a check payable to Lucky's Lounge for 25 cents, okay? So we don't get – anything for calling them that. But I think you just said that it goes like New York, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Philadelphia. They're naming all of the big sort of spaceship-like arenas. And some of the ones that have some flavor and some personality got overlooked here. I've watched the Celtics play in about a third of these things. Last year, I went and watched them play the Warriors in San Francisco for the first time. That is a very nice arena. Uh, the crypto.com center, I, I like to call it the house that Shaq built. It's nice, but it's not any better than some of these others. I have not seen the Celtics play in Indiana. I've never been to the field house there, but I've heard that might be the best arena in the NBA, Guillermo. Wow, that's very interesting. I, I wouldn't have them as a top arena in mind. Um, I unfortunately have not been able to travel to different arenas like yourself, 
so I'm kind of out in the woods. I'm kind of leaning on you on this one. Um, I would love to travel and see the Celtics play in all these arenas. I would like to see the Golden One arena and lighting the beam, hopefully not against the Celtics. Um, but I, that's something I do want to see. Um, I always wanted to go, unfortunately, to the Staples slash Crypto.com arena just because they're our biggest rival and they're going to be unveiling the, the Kobe statue coming up. So I would want to see that. But out of, out, other than that, I have been by the Barclays Center. I didn't go in it. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of leaning on you on, as far as top arenas. For me, the vibe is always at the Garden. I think we should be higher than eight on this list. Um, the fans go crazy. And um, I, I truly appreciate what they've done around the Garden to make it even that much better. Yeah, I think there's a number of factors that are considered when you're considering the best arena. It's not just the court and the sight lines and the seats and the food. The fans have to be considered. The PA announcer, uh, the floor, you know, and so anything that does not include Boston Garden in the top five is a a Fagazi list. I mean, this is a joke of a list. Um, Some of these arenas are big kind of impersonal arenas. I think maybe they put, you know, the house that Shaq built in there because of the celebrities, perhaps. Um, But, you know, I've seen the Celtics play in Los Angeles. I've seen them play in Dallas. I've seen them play in uh, New Jersey back when they used to play, when the Nets used to be in New Jersey. I saw them there. I've seen the Knicks play in MSG, not with the Celtics there but I've also seen them play in Miami, Charlotte. Um, All NBA arenas are pretty nice, but I would have to say that Boston Garden is the best of the ones that I've been to, but I keep going back to that field house. It used to be called the Conseco Fieldhouse. I don't know what it's called anymore, but it's built with a kind of a intimate feel, almost like a college fieldhouse or a high school fieldhouse. And I think that gives it charm. So I want to go see them play in Indiana. This year, for the first time, I went to Target Arena or Target Center and watched them play the Timberwolves. And that was a nice little arena. But for me, you know, to all of the people that accuse us of being homers, I have to say ours is the best that I've been to. I'll tell you one that is going to be incredible just because of who the owner of the franchise is. But next year, after this upcoming season, the Clippers will have their own arena in Inglewood at the site of the old Hollywood Park racetrack. The Los Angeles Clippers are going to move out of their big brother, the Lakers. And that arena is going to be a place that is probably going to help recruit some players to go in there. So stay tuned for that. Sacramento, you know, they don't get any love. So the fact that they're at the top of this list tells me that that arena must be incredible. So I do want to go see that one in addition to Indiana, Guillermo. Yeah, and like well, in addition to the Staples Center, I would love to see MSG, the Mecca, and just see some basketball played there. Um, I know you said you got to see some basketball there. Uh, that's definitely – those are probably top two on my list. And like I said, number three would be like the beam out there in Sacramento. Uh, so you say the Fieldhouse is the best one that you've been to 
Other no, than I haven't the been there. Book. I want to. Oh, okay. I wanna sorry, go. sorry. Yeah. So, but I've heard so much about it. And if you listen to like Mike Gorman and other guys, they're like, yeah. this place is really cool. I, I want to see what that's all about because the ones I've been to, and I've been to about 10 or 12, and some of the ones that are no longer active NBA arenas, to me, the garden's the best. So non-garden, what is the best experience you had in an arena? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, certainly being at Staples Center when Antoine Walker banked in a three with 1.8 seconds <laughs> left. Um, Staples Center is up there. Uh, Phoenix is really nice. Okay. I liked Phoenix. I liked, I did like the Chase Center. It is a really, really sweet arena. Uh, so I would say, you know, San Francisco, Phoenix, Los Angeles. Uh, Miami's is pretty nice. The location... If you look at where it is, I mean, it's on the waterfront, which is kind of cool. And and so is the Warriors arena. So, you know, that the, the geography of it and the location is something to be considered. So those are all pretty good. And I, and I did like, no one probably has this on their list, but I did like Target Center. I thought it was pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to add some of these arena to my bucket list and hopefully knock out one or two a year uh, going forward. Item number three and the final item on the list today, the Lakers making news last week. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that they signed former Dallas Maverick Christian Wood to a two-year contract. I don't know if there's a player option on that or what. This guy, okay, this guy, I think he started in Detroit maybe. He showed a lot of promise as a guy who had some shooting range and maybe some athleticism. But it didn't work out in Dallas, and he was a free agent for a long time. Thoughts on the the Christian Wood signing for the Lakers? Because on paper, the Lakers had an incredible offseason. Yeah, I think that's a really good pickup, Um, sneaky pickup. I would have liked to see him in green. He said it's always been a dream for him to be a Laker, so... I think it's a solid pickup for him. He said he also had some history with Darvin Ham and was keeping in contact as far as what role he'd be playing and how his fit would be. So I think it's going to work out well for them, unfortunately. Um, And we also seen McGee get picked up by the Kings and possibly no Blake Griffin coming up. Yeah, uh, get to the, let, let me touch just real quick on Christian Wood because I think yeah. it's really good for the Lakers if Darvin Ham, who is a player's coach and is a defensive-oriented coach, can get Christian Wood to play defense because another defensive-oriented coach by the name of Jason Kidd did not trust Christian Wood. Apparently, he you know couldn't stay in front of people. There was a not the questions whether he could even play on a winning team that he didn't rotate defensively. He couldn't stay with people and had virtually no defensive awareness. That is not, it doesn't matter how well you can score. Look, they've got Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves and LeBron James. They don't need him to score. You know, they just need another big body that can do some things, set screens, maybe knock down jump shots. But if he can't defend, he's not going to be good for the Lakers or anybody else if Darvin Ham can connect with him, the Lakers, I think, climb even higher on that list of teams in the West, Guillermo. Um, and then, you know, JaVale McGee, I said we should take a flyer on him. He's gone. Again, Adam Himmelsbach reporting we won't get Blake. 
So if the Celtics do want a big, who's left? Uh, so there's five names out there that uh, popped up on the report. And we got Dwayne Dedman, Frank Kaminsky, Bismack Biombo, Jamichael Green, and former Celtic that was traded, Noah Vonley. How do you feel about those names? Well, I'll tell you what. I am a, I am a softie for local guys. You know, I like players that are from Boston or from New England, from Maine. You know, we can get that high school kid that you like so much. I think it would be good. Um, and Noah Vonley was our opening day center last year. Remember, he was tangling with Joel Embiid in the opener and we won that game and, and Embiid didn't have his best game in that thing, but Vonley only averaged one point a game for us in seven minutes. Um, he shot the ball pretty well. He, there were times where he rebounded pretty well, but it was, he was just a victim of the numbers game. And then I think he went to maybe China. Uh, I don't know how he did after that. Uh, I think he played in Shanghai, maybe. Um, I'm trying to look it up quickly here. He's a local guy. I remember after that game, you know, just walking around Causeway Street, you know, trying to buy T-shirts and whatnot. And Vonley was walking down the street and nobody even talked to him. A lot of people didn't even know who he was. Uh, it must have been a dream come true for him to be the opening night center for the Celtics. And I think he wouldn't mind being the 15th man for this team, Guillermo. I like him. Uh, but I like a few of the names you mentioned. I like Biombo because of his size. I think he can set great screens. Um, who else did you have on there? I mean, Deadman, I'm not a, you know, his, maybe his nickname would be Walking, Deadman Walking. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Jamichael Green is a guy that has played for some good teams. I like him. I'd take any one of these guys, but I think – the Celtics in the past have liked to go into a season with 14 players as opposed to 15 because then you can make some deals and you have some flexibility in your roster. And none of these guys is a difference maker. So maybe we don't, unless it's Blake Griffin, maybe we just kind of go with what we got. Yeah, I, I can see that going forward. Out of the names, I think Bismack Biombo is the favorite name for me. I think seeing what he was able to do um, to cover Aiton for the Phoenix Suns a couple years ago. Um, I think he played his role really well, set screens, like you said, you know, take some lobs, get some boards, and just kind of be a presence in the paint. Uh, that's someone I really like out of the list there. Frank Kaminsky with his shooting, it's a possibility. I do like the hometown kid, Noah Vonley, and you know, that story, I believe he was traded to the Spurs, if I'm not mistaken, last year. Yeah, he um, was. So And then waved. Ah, uh, got you. So, yeah, out of those names, Biombo would be the name to get if we can't get Blake Griffin back. But I'm willing to ride with the 14 that we have and give Cornette his flowers and see what he's able to do in some spot minutes and maybe even see what Walsh can do, you know, as the season progresses. Yeah, Guillermo, I, I think Biombo kind of reinvented himself. I remember when he came into the league from Senegal or Cameroon, I think he's Senegalese. Uh, he was a very young player, like 19 years of age. And 
he's been in the league a long time, but he started to show his experience in Phoenix. I think he had his best years there, and maybe he has the most to offer. I do think the Celtics need another big because let's not kid ourselves. We got Al Horford that we don't want playing back-to-backs. We got a center who has plantar fasciitis and has a history of maybe not being available all the time. And then we got Rob Williams. I don't think I need to say anything more on that front. So Luke Cornett's good for spot minutes, but we need another guy that can come in and start potentially. Blake Griffin could do that. He did that well last year. I think Biombo could also be that guy, but we'll have to see. In Brad, we trust. I do think we need another big, and that could be somebody that we add anytime between now and February or April. Trading deadline, somebody gets waived. And then if something happens to one of the players I mentioned, you can always add somebody, but it's better to have them in for training camp, I think. Yeah, I would like to see how the season progresses. Like you said, in Brad, we trust. I'm okay running with what we have. I know Brissett can play the four. Tatum can play the four. And like I said, Jordan Walsh can play the four as well. Uh, So that's, you know, some of that Grant Williams type of size, not the size that the other guys bring, but they're even taller than Grant Williams. They're, you you know, around 6'8", 6'10". So I think we'll be okay going forward. Uh, And like you said, trade deadline, we have waves, we have the buyout market. Uh, We'll see what the team looks like as we head into the postseason this year. Well, that's all we got for Lucky's List, which is always, Guillermo, seemingly our longest segment now because we have the most interesting debate topics. You want to wrap the show up for us? Yeah, thank you for all, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we do this every week for you guys. Continue to tune in, continue to share, and again, make sure that you hit that that five star for us. And thank you for tuning in to Lucky's Lounge. Yeah, continue to spread the word. There's a beach on my name. Uh, maybe it's Lanakai Beach. Maybe it's Waikiki Beach. Or maybe I'll just head to Dukes and have a have a Guinness over there. But Guillermo, I think you are one of Lucky's heroes this week because I'm in Honolulu. You're in Boston. It's six hours later there. I won't even tell you guys what time it is in Beantown as we record this. But thank you for listening. Continue to spread the word. And put on your red, white, and blue boxers this week at the office because Team USA has a chance to go get it, and we will all be rooting for them. And uh, we'll see you next week, this time, this channel on Lucky's Lounge. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great week.